this week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. Hallelujah. He walked in for you. Yes. He walked in for you. Yes, Lord. Yes, he did. He walked in for Ramona. He walked in for Cindy. He walked in for Dawn. I mean, he walked in for you. Hallelujah. Sometime back, I preached the message. He's in the room. I'm telling you, he's in the room. Aren't you glad he's in the room? Yes, he's in the room. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's in the room. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Yes. Get ready, get ready. We're going to go into the Word in a moment. I am, I am wrapping up this series. We've been doing Faith Under Fire one way or the other. I have so much more the Lord has been speaking, but maybe we'll bring it back another time. But I'm going to wrap it with today's message that I believe is going to bless you and help you. Anybody ever said, God, where are you? Anybody ever just wonder where he was in a situation? We're going to look into the Word of God in, in John chapter 20 here shortly. But as we get ready to go into the Word, I want to just remind you, we got a, a busy week. Lots of things coming up this week, and uh, I'll give you a quick recap. I don't like to do announcements. That's what you got bulletins and announcements on the screen for and social media. But uh, a couple quick things. we got some guys coming tomorrow from another way to help us paint, uh, finish up some outside painting over the offices in here. So if you want to be a part of that, I think they're going to start at 930. Um, Tuesday night, we're hosting the City Council Candidate Forum, and if I just encourage even if you don't live in the city to be a part of it and support it if you're able to. Um, this has not been an easy task. That's all I'll say. What we have endured trying to do this, you just don't even imagine. But uh, I'm believing it's going to be a good time, a positive time as we are working hard to help bring change to our city. And that's part of it, making sure that we have the right people in the right positions and the right jobs. So that's 6 o'clock. We're hosting that here at the church. And then let's see. Thursday is a food distribution. And uh, thanking the Lord, it looks like we're going to have good weather. And then next Saturday, the coalition's doing a cleanup day. We're going to try to finish out Connellsville Street. And so you're welcome to be a part of that and help us. I know uh, somebody said to me the other day, well, I don't come. I don't live in the city. Well, your church is in the city. I could care less where your home is. But we're trying to improve a city, and we do that by uh, being an example. And so there's pe many of the people in the coalition. They come from Connellsville, 
North Union and South Union townships because they believe in what we're doing. And so we're just trying to make a difference and clean things up and help the city. And I see the negative comments online and people reprimanding the mayor and city council. But let me tell you something. Uh, I have a lot more understanding of what they're dealing with than uh, all the other people do. I've sat down and met with them and uh, they're, they're under an insurmountable amount of pressure and problems. And so if we can help in some way, that's what we're going to do. Uh, when I sat down with the mayor and I said, how can we help? He said, help me find the right people to get us out of this mess. I can appreciate that. He and I don't always see eye to eye about most things. But I can appreciate the fact when a man says, I need help, help me, pastor, find the right people. Help me to find the right people to put around me to rebuild the walls of this city, Sister Renita, as the word you sent me yesterday. Hallelujah. And so that's what we're trying to do is rebuild this city. And sometimes we just need the right people. And sometimes some Tobias will come along, if you know your word, and they'll try to tear down what God is trying to do. And so uh, that's what part of what we're doing on Saturday. We pick up trash. We're cleaning up the sidewalks. We're just trying to make it look a little bit better make it plausible that people can walk up and down the east end of town and, and not worry about what they're stepping on and if they can walk down the sidewalk and just make it look nice. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. Then later in the month, the city's doing an annual cleanup day with garbage and hard to get rid of items, and we'll be talking more about that. But there's things to do no matter who you are and where you come from. There's a way for you to be a part. There's a lot going on. Uh, this past Thursday was women's ministry. Ladies get involved. I'm telling you, they're planning events. They're working on the Christmas gala. They're working on I think pastors appreciation uh, they got a lot of things going on and so if you want to be in the know be in the know by being a part hallelujah and so we encourage you to do that all of you ladies and girls and and women we've had women reach out that aren't even a part of our church because they said uh, we really on social media somebody said I really think this is something I'd like to be a part of well what you waiting on hallelujah so be a part of things like that that are going on, and we know you'll be blessed. All right, enough of that. If you're unsure of what's going on, you just check social media, make sure you got a bulletin, those kind of things, and we know that there'll be something for you can get involved and connected with. Now, if you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever it is that you use to read the Word of God, or if not, we'll throw it up on the screen for you today. We're going to go to the book of John, chapter 20, read a couple of verses of scriptures, and I hope my voice holds out on us today. It's wore out already, and there's a Steeler game on, so I don't know how I'm going to be able to scream at the, at the TV later when I'm already hoarse as it is. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, we have to. They can hear me, don't you know? Hallelujah. John chapter 20. I asked you earlier, how many of you ever said, God, where are you? God, I want to believe that you'll get me out of this. God, I want to believe that you'll help me. Amen. How many have, have just wondered, God, where are you in it all? And we're going to look at a portion of Scripture of a man that followed Jesus, that walked with Jesus, but he fell out of faith. He had a faith crisis. His faith was under fire. I, I know, don't, don't try to be Sunday morning churchy on me and pretend your faith has never been under fire. Because the truth of the matter is, is our faith goes under fire sometimes. Sometimes it gets a little weary. Sometimes we struggle to believe. Some of you can believe for other people quicker and easier than you can believe for yourself. 
It's easy for you to have faith to believe that God will heal your neighbor, but it's another thing whenever you're the one in need of a healing. And so sometimes our faith is under fire. And so we're going to wrap it up today looking at this portion of Scripture in John chapter 20. We're going to read just a couple, it's like six verses, verse 24 through verse 30. Here we go. But Thomas, uh-huh, one of the 12, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I see it shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, again, his disciples were within, and this time Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the door being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith Jesus to Thomas, Reach hither your hand. Reach hither your finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither your hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Hmm. He had a, a change of mind. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Oh, Lord. Faith under fire. Faith under fire. Are you still with me? Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the ability to read it, hear it. And, Lord, we pray that we would receive today from heaven that, Lord, you would help us expand and just expound our understanding and our revelation of who you are. But, Lord, we ask for your presence to continue to increase and fill this place. That, Lord, you would destroy yokes, bondages, and, God, even today as we preach, Lord, that you would help us with our unbelief. Areas that, God, we didn't even recognize that we weren't believing. God, help us today because our faith is under fire. And Lord, we give you the glory and the honor in your mighty name. Amen. Yes. How many of you know the times that we're living in, everyone seems to be skeptical? In every part of life right now, people are skeptical. In the church, in the world, in our schools, on social media. It doesn't matter where you are, people are skeptical. I, we've seen over the course of years, some of you have seen more than others because uh, some of you are older than some of us others, but some of you have seen how over the course of time, things have evolved and changed. Some of you might remember a time where we actually used to walk up and down the sidewalks and talk to people. Or a time when we used to help our neighbor and not just ignore them. Uh-huh. 
or, or, or a time where we actually uh, develop friendships and we're part of a family in the body of Christ. I remember a time we used to be more patriotic than we are political. Now if you're patriotic, it becomes political. I just remember times when things looked different and everything seemed to be a little bit different. I remember a time we used to go to the doctor. The doctor would prescribe us medicine and we would leave and we would take that medicine as they prescribed it. But now we go to the doctor and they'll give us medicine and we determine how we're going to take that medicine because we Googled it. Oh, come on, somebody. Am I the only one that's ever self-medicated? Mm-hmm. Because Google knows you better than your body, than, than your doctor. Uh-huh. Because we're skeptical of them. Oh, some of us are especially skeptical after the whole COVID vaccine mess. Oh, yeah, now we're saying, you ain't ever going to stick me, you know. Some of us have strong opinions, right? So we're real skeptical. Every time I go to the doctor and she said, I think you need to get a booster, I, th- I said, I think you need to keep your needles away. And because I'm a little skeptical, I'm just not so sure it didn't work the first time around or the second time or the th- I still got that mess. Y'all lied. And so it makes me a little skeptical about everything else that they have to say. Amen. And so... That same thing is true, not just with doctors, not just with uh, politicians, not just in our schools, but in every facet of life. We've just become a skeptical people. And I found and I realized that skepticism is something that is so pervasive that truth is hard to find. I mean, what is truth anymore? Don't you recognize that truth is whatever people want it to be? When it comes to politics, every side is right because they're the ones standing in their own truth. When it comes to what I believe versus what you believe, everybody stands in their own truth. We we no longer really look to the word of God for truth. Oh, see? See, there's the evidence. See, it used to be that the truth was the word of God. It's the infallible word of God, the Bible says, right? But now, sort of, we make our own interpretation and stand in our own truth. This is what I believe, as if what you believe is more important and and the truth over what God's word says. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? See, we, we make all the excuses as to why we do or why we behave or why we are a certain way. And we say, well, it's the way I see the word of God. And so, in other words, it's your truth over God's truth. See what I mean? Because we're even skeptical that the word even means what it says. Uh-huh. Hallelujah. Don't fall asleep yet. A solid belief system that we all can agree on is really hard to find in the smallest of things. We struggle to to share the same beliefs with just in the smallest of areas. I mean, we can't even go out to dinner and sit down at dinner with people that we know and love without having some dispute over the smallest of things now because we all are skeptical on every level about everything. We can't talk about doctors. We can't talk about politics. We can't talk about church. We can't talk about our neighbors because we're skeptical of them too. I mean, even my neighbor came over and she said, I see you got cameras pointing over this way. What, what, what you, you, you skeptical of me? No, they're, they're pointing on my porch. I said, so if you walk on my porch, I'm going to see you. I'm not skeptical of you. I said, I could care less about you. 
in that regard. Are you hearing me? But she, she thought I, I, I thought something was funny about her or that it was pointed right at her house. No, I'm just worried about me. I'm not worried about you. Hallelujah. I want to catch the boogeyman if he comes for me. That's all. Yes. See, we used to believe in something is my point. It's even hard to preach nowadays, uh, nowadays to people because preaching is based on faith. And faith is something that's kind of gone out of style. Really, if you, if you have circled among many different churches, faith is something that's not popular anymore. It, and it's hard to even pastor because we, we try to pastor people who don't even believe. Our churches are sitting full of people who don't even fully believe in the word of God. They're just showing up because it's the cool place or because it's the thing to do or because it's the hippest church in town or because the preacher wears jeans and flip-flops when he preaches or because or it's cool and all of our other friends go there and after two weeks you get to go through, you know, you, you, you get to pray a, a quote-unquote sinner's prayer, we'll dunk you in a tank and then we'll put you on the platform. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so we'll just kind of do what we need to do. But, but faith is something that's gone out of style. Cause, and the reason that I said that faith is something that's pretty much gone out of style and it's hard to even pastor and help people, people say, oh, I want to talk to you. Oh, will you help me? But then you don't really want to hear anything I have to say because everything I have to say is based on faith and you don't even believe. So no, I can't help you. No, I really can't help you. Hallelujah. Stay with me. Hallelujah. We live in a time of skepticism. Where truth is optional. Oh, glory to God. We'll get rid of the popping. Well, maybe. We live in a time of skepticism where truth is optional when it's all about our opinion and truth is whatever we want it to be. Let me, let me show you something. Even, even scriptural, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says that the beginning of an oath is the end of all strife. Let me say that again. The beginning of an oath is the end of all strife. In other words, we used to believe in contracts. Now do we, need, we don't even believe in a contract because if we enter into one, we, we know before we ever enter into it that we'll find a way to get out of it. Contract of marriage, contract between us and a bank, a contract for employment, somebody hearing what I'm telling you, a contract for all kinds of things. But the Bible says that the beginning of an oath is the end of all strife. See, I'm not shocked that, that unbelievers don't believe anything. That's why they're unbelievers. All right, but we tend to oftentimes as church people to often want to focus on people's moral behavior. But I found something to be true, that, that you can be moral and you can still go to hell. You can be moral and you can still go to hell because I believe that it's not the moral thing that we need to worry about. It's unbelief is the real issue. And I'm going to show you that today. Unbelief is the real issue. See, a person's morals and a person's behavior will get course corrected if you can help them to believe. Uh-huh. See, Thomas in the text had a, a shift in his mindset and in his attitude when he went from a place of unbelief into belief. His behavior changed. See, the gateway to the kingdom of God is belief. The criteria to enter into the kingdom of God is to believe. The Bible says it says so over and over again. We'll look at a few examples perhaps today. 
And so it doesn't really shock me, church, whenever unbelievers are skeptical when they don't believe. But I am shocked how unbelief has crept into the church. Now the church talks like the world. And what makes us cool is if our church looks more like the world. Uh-huh, I won't get down in the nitty-gritty, but, but let me just say, it, it, that's what makes us popular. That's what makes it the place where everybody wants to come because we look like what you're comfortable with. We sound like what you're comfortable with. We don't do anything to make you uncomfortable, and we don't even challenge you to believe. We don't even challenge you to, anymore to come to an altar and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and you will be saved. We'll just let you do it right in your pew. And you don't even have to slip up your hand, and we'll put, turn out all the lights so there's no public accountability that you've just accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, even though the Bible says, if you'll be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Uh-huh. That's truth. And so we'll just make you comfortable in your sin. You can keep still, just come to church, stay in your unbelief. We'll even put you, we'll make you a wet sinner and baptize you. And don't worry about seeking the gifts of the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to do all that. I mean, we're not going to be one of those churches. I'm telling you all the truth this morning. I'm telling you. And the reason some of you are like, what are you talking about? It's because you haven't gone really anywhere else lately. And I'm glad that you're dedicated and committed to being here. I'm thankful for people. Some people that watch online are going to be like, huh? But if you visited anywhere else, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That is exactly how that it is. Nothing is expected or required of you. And everybody in there has a bad attitude like an unflushed toilet. It doesn't look like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, none of those things. Because it's a people without belief. There's no belief systems. Oh, they, they may have a statement of faith on their website or something like that, but they don't teach that. They, they don't stick with that. They just do that to remain tax exempt. That's all. That, that's the truth of it. Let, let's take your tithe. I don't have to pay taxes on it. That's the truth of it. I told one preacher the other day, I said, I really appreciate all your compliments, but I said, what are you doing to help the city? I said, I really believe that as a church, if you're not giving back to your community, you shouldn't even carry a 501c3 tax exemption. I said, really? Because you're not giving. You're not doing anything. Why? 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 <laughs> I think I made him mad. Hallelujah. So unbelief has crept into the church. We're skeptical in the church. We're skeptical of everything. We're skeptical of, uh, skeptical of our leaders in the church. We're skeptical of families in the church. We're even skeptical of God to some degrees. Because we have an attitude, prove to me that, that, that he exists. Prove to me that this is real. Right? We, we always want proof. In everything, we want proof. In everything. Think about it. We, we want proof. We, 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 we want proof for everything. Show me that that is the way that it is. And yet what I've learned to try to, uh, try to help people. See, I can't help people. I can't prove God to you. In fact, his word never once says that he is to be proven. In fact, the Bible says that God is, is God that he should be revealed. 
That's the only way that I can cause you to believe is that as we preach the word of God, that, that it, he will be revealed to you, meaning that you would, the Holy Spirit would help you to gain revelation, all right? So he's not God that he can be proven. He has to be revealed. God, God never required us to, 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 for him to be proven. I, see, I can't put God or anything about God under a microscope, and, and, or I can't put God into a Petri dish, right? Because then faith would not, would, would not be required. Everything about who God is requires faith. I get saved by faith. When I get baptized, they even get baptized through faith as an outward sign of an inward cleansing, right? By faith, I'm doing this. When I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I receive that in the same way by faith. When I give my tithes and offerings, I give in faith. When I pray, I pray in faith. There's nothing that you and I get to see when we pray that, that, that's happening. But I've tried to teach prayer enough that when you and I are praying, that what's happening is that you are superimposing. And really what you are doing when you pray is you reach up and bring and pull heaven to earth. That's what prayers do. So everything that God has spoken over our lives, when you pray, you reach up and pull that down. Uh-huh. And you do that by faith. Everything about what we do, our worship, we worship him by faith. Yes, but yeah, we still are kind of people that we want God to be proven. The criteria for God is faith. And the reason why it's faith and the reason why God can't be proven is, is this is, God requires faith so God doesn't explain himself. He just is. I know that doesn't suit a lot of our personalities in here because all of you like to have someone explain themselves to you. Why'd you do that? Why'd you act like that? How come we do it this way? You get an argument with somebody, you, you have to have, like, be led by your nose and explain every detail about what they were doing, right? And we want to do that with God, too. But God is not God that he explains himself. He just is. Now, over the course of the last number of weeks, we, of course, have looked at the Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 says, but without faith, is it, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, yes, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Yes, that diligently seek him. See, you must first believe that he is. You can't come to him without believing. He won't prove it to you. You have to believe it. That's true. I'll prove it to you in the word. John chapter 3. We like to quote it and quote it nice when it comes to salvation. But John chapter 3 verse 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpents in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15. And, whatsoever, and, and whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Did it say whosoever what, what did it say? Whosoever believeth. Uh-huh. Faith is the criteria. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Faith is the criteria. He said, whoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Notice it doesn't say whoever tithes or whoever can sing or whoever preaches, but it says whoever believes. That's the criteria. You and I have to believe. The criteria that he's talking about is believe. And just, just hang with me. We're going to get to the text here in a moment, but i got to lay this foundation for you. 
Verse 16, we know it well. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever believeth. Whosoever believeth. In verse 18, it says this. He that believeth. There's the word believeth again. In other words, it's faith. This is why I'm here to tell you what we do, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, it requires faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without believing, it says he that believeth will have everlasting life. So let me prove to you that unless you believe, you don't have everlasting life. If you are being a doubter, then, then, then heaven is not your home. Let's just make it clear. That's what John chapter 3 says. We're, we're, we're going to get to the good stuff, I promise. Just, just hang on. Look, look at this, verse 18. He that believeth in him is not condemned. Thank you, Lord. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ. So the entire issue of what we're looking at today and what we've been talking about for weeks is faith and our faith is under fire. How's our faith become under fire? In part because of skepticism that we talked about right in the beginning. You realize that skepticism in our life has led us to, to unnecessary death, pain, and just the deterioration of our society and communities. I know, I know it's an election year and everyone else is trying to determine what has caused our, our, our communities to deteriorate and in our nation too. And we can blame one party over the other. But the real bottom line is what I just said, that it has led to de deterioration the, 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 without faith. Not having something to believe in. I was listening to people on the news. They were going over poll numbers and stuff like that, you know, because it's an election year. And I was going over local poll numbers in preparation for this week's event here at the church. And what I realized the underneath of it all, just if you can get underneath of the politics of it all, well, underneath it all is that we've all lost something to believe in. Yeah, if you'll think about that, you'll realize I'm right. On both sides, if we've lost something to believe in, because we don't believe in anything, we're skeptical of everybody. We don't trust anybody. We don't trust the people in our families. How I many you know everybody that we love that's in our families so that we worship with, they have ulterior motives. We're not so sure they are who they say they are. We, we don't know if we can trust them because the last time we trusted somebody, look what they did to us. Amen. Are you still with me? And so there's been a deterioration in our society and our communities. But what I found, what I've really found, hallelujah, is that when you are not anchored to truth, you and I end up floating around in all the in the abyss of all kinds of ideas. That we have to be anchored to something. We have to be able to be anchored to truth, because it's about believing. What faith is I like to describe faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is the currency of heaven. See, faith is to, to heaven what money is to earth. If you don't have money, you can't eat. If you don't have money, you don't have a house. If you don't have money, it's hard to drive a car. Amen. You can't even as much as ride a bicycle without some money. 
All right, and so everything that we do when it comes to God, when it comes to heaven, what we show up here, faith is the currency of heaven. So what are we doing trying to come up into the house of God, expecting God to move and then not come in with the currency that moves God, which is faith? Are you hearing me? It doesn't matter how much you throw in the offering. That's not going to necessarily motivate God. It is faith that motivates God. Are you hearing me? So for people who put a lot of emphasis on that, that's not how you get God to move, although it is part of of us being obedient to God as giving because he calls us to. But what really moves the hand of God is faith. It is the currency of heaven. If you need to get God to move on your behalf, you and I have to be able to stay in faith. Faith is what God uses to complete the transaction. Uh-huh. Maybe you've ever gone somewhere and you, you went to check out and your card didn't work or your check got rejected or something because of technology. Sometimes I've had that happen where you get there and you know you have money in the bank, but it rejects your card anyway. Or you get there and you thought you had more cash on you than you did and you had an embarrassment. You're like, I got to come back. You set the buggy to the side, Right. Or whatever the circumstance, you can't complete the transaction because the the market no longer has faith that you're going to come back. See, they used to let you leave and be like, trust, you're going to come back because everybody knew who you were. But Walmart doesn't really know or care who Adam is. And they don't trust that if I put the groceries in my car that I'm ever going to come back. They're skeptical of me. I mean, they're even so skeptical that when I walked out of Walmart yesterday, they checked my receipt. Now it's not enough that you have cameras all over the cash register as I check myself out because y'all never have enough cashiers because you don't employ nobody and then you won't pay me to check myself out or even give me a discount. But then you have the nerve that your security man just watched me like he did, scan everything, check everything, and if I put something in my little buggy thing and it didn't, that I didn't scan it, a big alarm goes off and the machine locks up, but yet you're still going to check my risky because you're skeptical. Are you hearing me? And so they're not going to let me leave without and say, I'll come back with, my, with cash because my card ain't working. No, no. They're skeptical that I'm going to be a thief. Mm-hmm. And so they won't let me complete my transaction without the currency to complete it. Yet you and I try to come up in the house of God and we want to complete a transaction and you come up in here without the currency of heaven. Oh, that's good. Yes, it's good. I'll just say amen, preacher. Hallelujah. We, we just come in and we're like, God, fall like fire. Lord, fall like fire. But you don't have any faith to receive the fire. Uh-huh. You don't have any faith to even receive healing. I mean, what, 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 if, what if by faith we just started calling different sicknesses out of us? We've done many times. We, we, we call cancer out and cause it to dry up and die in you. And we start recursing diabetes at the very root. Do you have the faith enough to receive whatever we start calling out by faith that it's yours, that he's walking in the room for you today? Do you have the faith to c- complete the transaction of heaven today? See, my point is you and I have to believe in something. Because I understand how the enemy works. If I was Satan and I wanted to destroy you and I wanted to kill you, I, 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 I won't spend energy fighting your morality. This is why when churches start preaching about morality, I kind of turn my ear off. But watch, I'm going to go somewhere. Satan is not trying to trip you up and destroy you because of your morality. 
or, or fighting your mentality or fighting your anxiety. If I was Satan and I wanted to destroy you according to what the Bible says, which is truth, I would come against your faith. See, the church has gotten it all wrong while we're spending time preaching on moral stuff, thinking that's going to make a difference and preaching uh, against all of this and that. And the other thing, what we need to be realizing is the enemy has been chipping away at the faith in the body of Christ for years. And now the church looks, looks nothing like what it used to. Where are the powerhouse mothers of the church that could pray anyone through? You know, the ones who used to have their hair up in a big beehive and, and the Holy Ghost would come upon them during the offering or before church even started, or I mean after the amen was said at the end, they'd still be having church over in the corner, jumping and dancing and having a Holy Ghost fit, you know, those mothers. Where are they in the church? Oh, I don't see them. You know why? Because the enemy has been chipping away at our faith. The the, the enemy has been chipping away uh, and, and hindering our faith in the mamas of the church, and now this generation of women can't even get together in a women's group to pray and believe and stand in the gap for their families and their churches and their communities. Oh, I'm going to preach good to you today because you're too busy and you're too important. Mm, let's see, they're not, they're not saying amen today, Cynthia. But the Bible says that women, you should be women of valor. Part of being a woman of valor means that you have to be women of faith. And if everything in your life is a little uncertain and wary, you might need the encouragement to have your faith strengthened by one another. Oh, I won't go there long. I promise I'll move on. Hallelujah. I can feel you all getting all clenched up and tight. It's, it, just relax. We become a faithless generation. A faithless generation. So if I was the enemy, I would come against your faith because the Bible says because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we end up worshiping without faith. We end up praying without faith. We end up giving without faith. We end up doing all the things that God has called us to do, and we do it without faith. And then we blame God that he's not moving in our life. But we're the ones who are showing up to God trying to complete a transaction without faith. See, it's impossible to work for God if you don't believe. It's even impossible to build a ministry without, without believing. It's impossible. We've got people trying to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they don't even believe it. How do I know? Because they're the ones that aren't giving an altar call for anybody to get saved. They're turning down the lights and letting you get saved in darkness. And they're baptizing wet sinners and they're coming out wet sinners. But it's impossible to even preach without believing in God. So, if it, it, so it's impossible. See, so in other words, if you don't believe God, then it's impossible to do business with God. Because faith is the currency of heaven. I want you to get that in your spirit. Faith is the currency of heaven. So if I was the enemy and I wanted to destroy you and cause you to become weary and cause you to doubt, I'm not going to attack your morality. I'm not going to attack all the other things that we often blame the enemy for. No, I'm coming for your faith. Because faith is the exchange. Faith is what completes the transaction. Oh, my God, my God, my God. 
Why am I, why am I focusing on that? Because I can't eat my money. I can have all the money in the world, but I can't live up underneath my money. I can't even sleep underneath my money. But I can give money in exchange for goods in the same manner that I can give my faith in exchange for what God has for me in the heavens. Are you seeing what I'm trying to tell you? Faith is the exchange medium of heaven. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And, and so you, you can give the Lord a hand clap of praise. It's all right. And so if I was sainted and I wanted to bankrupt you, I would, it wouldn't be enough for me to take your money. I, if, if I take your faith, I've left you bankrupt. So for everybody who's broken, you'd be trying to blame the devil. No, that is not your issue. Come here while I lay hands on you and pray for your, your, your carnal mind. The problem is, is you do not have faith. The enemy is, why does anybody want to bankrupt you? There's people trying to blame and blame the enemy for bankrupting them, and you didn't have money in the first place. I'm not trying to be funny or make fun of anybody. I'm trying to say, stop blaming the enemy for something that, that you have, oh, ye of little faith, Jesus said. It is a faith issue. It is not a money issue. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So if I take your faith, prayer doesn't have a leg to stand on. This is why the enemy is after our faith. This is why our faith is under fire. If I take your faith, you don't have any peace. Everyone thinks the world has lost their mind. Yeah, the church has lost their mind. What we've actually lost is our faith. That's why we have no peace. If you are unable to sleep at night, you don't need melatonin. You don't need anything else. What you need is faith. You lack faith, hallelujah, because you, or you lack peace because you lack faith. Peace comes when you're operating in faith. I'm able to go to sleep at night, lay my head down and go to sleep trusting and believing in him over whatever strength I have to deal with the situation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If I take your faith, then you have no joy. You're wondering where all your joy is. I'm just not happy, happy anymore. Yeah, you ain't going to be happy because you have no faith. Stop trying to think you, if you married someone else, you'd be, have more joy. No, you just need to have faith in something. I'm serious. If you would operate in faith and let God do the changing instead of you trying to be manipulative, changing everybody. Oh, I'm telling you the truth today. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I'm just going to lay it out for you. Are you hearing me? I, people all the time say, I don't have any joy. I'm not happy anymore. Or they drive me nuts. Have faith in God. You married them, you chose them, you thought they were the best thing in the world since squeezed butter at some point. Something changed. They may have changed some, but have faith in God that the same way God can change you, the same way that God can heal people, he can change their heart. So if you have no joy, it's a faith issue. If I take your faith, you, have no, you, you don't have any victory. If I take your faith, you have no, you have no power or confidence. Where is the power of the church does anybody else remember? I remember growing up that when the church spoke, the world listened. Now, I realized since I was a teenager, like Jimmy Swaggart and a bunch of the others fell and made us all look like a bunch of sinners and heathens and all of those things. And every, everybody thought every preacher was corrupt. That's why we sit in church and we're like, mm, I don't know. I bet, I bet Pastor Adam's in it for the money. Then you don't know much. 
That's that's why I'm that's why I'm driving a three hundred thousand dollar car. I mean, yeah, okay. That's why my helicopter lands right here in the yard every week. You know, bless God. Because we're skeptical, we have no faith. But I remember a time back years ago before all of these great men and women of God fell and, and the IRS audited them and found out all kinds of things that we all now know. I remember a time that when the church spoke, man, the media covered it. Yeah, you know, when they, when they prophesied something, when they had something important to say or when they even spoke about politics now, it, it's a little scary every time some, some big pastor comes out, big name, and they start talking about real worldly issues because we're just sort of like, hmm. But there used to be a time that the world would listen. There used to be. But now we operate without power. Now we operate without confidence. If we take your faith, you have no comfort. If we take your faith, you're powerless, impotent, and weak. And so the enemy comes after your faith. And so you and I end up not believing in God, and to not believe in God is an insult to God. And to not believe in God is to suggest that he is a liar. Oh, my God. So I want you to just check yourself for a moment in the areas of your unbelief that in essence what you are saying is that God is a liar. Uh-huh. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Abraham became a friend of God because he believed God. In the middle of our text, right in the middle of the text, there's a faith crisis. There's a faith crisis happening. A faith crisis talking about these people who, these disciples who walked away from their jobs and they believed in Jesus. These disciples who left and walked away from their families and because they believed in Jesus. These, these 12 disciples who traveled for miles on foot following Jesus because they believed in him. And they thought they understood him. They thought that he would be a king here on the earth. They thought that they would be part of his parliament. They, they followed him. But halfway through the process of following Jesus, Jesus started talking kind of crazy. And saying things that the disciples didn't fully understand, Jesus started saying things like, except a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die and abide alone it bring forth much fruit and they kept hearing Jesus talking about death and they didn't totally get it and then they heard Jesus murmuring in the garden of Gethsemane and they heard him murmuring in the garden they were confused about him and they ended up falling asleep in the garden while he murmured about death and as the pressures were mounting and as the politics were mounting everyone around him was against him the disciples, they weren't afraid of him because they saw him walk on water. They saw Jesus raise the dead and cast out demons. They saw Jesus turn the water into wine and they saw him even open the blind eyes of blind Bartimaeus. So they knew that he had power. Yet when they came and apprehended Jesus and arrested him, Jesus didn't even open his mouth. Jesus didn't even say a word. The Bible says that they drug Jesus from judgment hall to judgment hall. Jesus spoke not a word. 
They even beat and they whipped Jesus, but he said nothing. Jesus didn't have to let them take him, but, but he did. The Bible even says that, that one time that Jesus spoke, and just by him speaking, that the ground shook so much that it knocked the, the men around him down. And, and, and he said, I am he who is the Lord. And yet here he is in this moment, the, the Jesus that we understand, and here he is in this moment that he's allowed himself to be beaten and arrested and drug from judgment hall to judgment hall. And, and the Bible even describes that as we were preparing for the crucifixion, that they beat him like he was a slave. And that they put Jesus on his back on a cross and a crown of thorns on his head. And the disciples around him weren't really sure what was going to totally happen on, Gal on Golgotha's hill. But the Bible says that many of his disciples ran. And of course, we know that Peter went to cussing. and declared, I was never with him because he was afraid. But there was one disciple. Thomas, that before the text that we actually read today, Thomas actually spoke the words, we must die with him. We must go and die with him. And now we read a text about Thomas that is after Jesus has been crucified. Jesus appears to, to the other 10 disciples because remember Judas went and committed suicide. And the only other one was Thomas. Thomas, the guy that we literally just read in our text, the one that said, I, I will not believe it unless I shove my finger into the nail wounds of his hands. I cannot and I will not believe it unless I shove my hand into the wounds of his side. I had to see it for myself. That said only just weeks earlier, we must go and die with him. Because, see, he wasn't always doubting Thomas. He was at one point confirmed and committed in his faith. And at one point he was committed to going to Jerusalem and dying with Jesus. Oh, but the pressures of life begin to mount. Are you still with me? Oh, how pressure of life can change some things. Oh, how when the walls start closing in around you and things aren't necessarily working in your favor. How things can change. And the Bible says that Thomas saw them beat Jesus beyond recognition. And he saw that Jesus didn't even say a word. And he saw Jesus go like a lamb, goes to the shears. And it looked as if Jesus had lost his power. He watched as they stretched him wide and hung him high. And he was there when he heard the, he heard the words of Jesus say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard those words coming from Jesus, wouldn't that maybe make you also say, why should I stay? If God has forsaken him who I followed, then why should I stay? So their faith came to a crushing blow and 
Their faith was under fire. When I read this text, it makes me wonder how did the disciples go back home and say to their families and their spouses, yeah, I've been gone these last few years, but who I followed, he wasn't who I thought he was. How do you walk away from Golgotha's Hill and the crucifixion and Jesus being buried into a tomb and go home and say, the man that I followed, well, he's dead. How do we go home and face that kind of failure? How do I go back to my old job and say, hey, can I get my job back? The guy I was following, he, he proved not to be who I thought he was. And I say all that because the Bible says that most of the disciples ran to a room and they hid. Because they had the thought that, well, if they killed our pastor, they're going to kill us too. Judah hung himself. I said that a moment ago. Thomas didn't see Judas do it, but he heard the rumors. But Thomas had also heard the rumors that someone broke into the tomb of Jesus and stole his body. And so Thomas, like some of us sometimes, didn't know what to think at all. Thomas was at a point he didn't even know what to believe. He didn't know what rumors to believe. He he didn't know what to think. He was struggling to have faith in anything. Thomas didn't even know where to go. He didn't know what to say. And he couldn't make sense of the fact of why Jesus didn't stop all of this. If he really was who he said he was, why did he let it go to this point? And not only was Thomas doubting all those things, but he was having an identity crisis because maybe some of you can understand whenever your faith is weak and you are feeling a little bit weary, it feels like you don't fit in anywhere. Because if we're ever really honest about when our faith is weary, we don't feel much like going to church. Because nothing can irritate you more when you're surrounded by people who believe and then here you are struggling to believe. Nothing can irritate some of us more than when everyone else is on fire and you're struggling to just keep your head above water. So Thomas just didn't really even feel like he fit in in, even in the church anymore. Thinking, if God was on my side, why did this happen? If he was really who he says he was, why is this all going on? Skepticism leaked into Thomas's life. Skepticism invaded the room. And so the text that we read said that Jesus walked into the room where 10 disciples were. Remember, one had committed suicide and the other was locked up in his skepticism and his unbelief. But the other 10 were locked up in a room because They were locked up in a room by fear of the Jews. And the Bible says in John chapter 20, verse 19, that when Jesus came into the room, that he came through a door. 
Not, not an open door, but a closed door. It says that he came through a door. And he appeared unto them in the room. And initially they, they thought that perhaps he was a ghost, but then the ghost ate fish. And so here he is, he's spirit enough to walk through a door, but man enough to eat fish. But the problem was when Jesus showed up, Thomas was not there initially. Thomas was not in the room and so when Jesus showed up, but Thomas was someplace just, just beneath the room and he was trying to figure out where he belonged. He was trying to figure out should I believe or should I not? I don't know what to think. I, in other words, he was trying to say, I don't know whether to go back to that church or not. I don't know if I should join the rest of them that are, that are trying to pray and, and, and do all these things. I, I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to think. I, I don't even know if I should believe at all anymore. I, I don't know if I should go back. If I go back, I might get killed. He was thinking to himself, I, I can't go back to Jerusalem, but I, I also just feel like I don't fit in in the upper room because I'm struggling to believe. I just don't fit in anywhere. So who this message is for is for people who sometimes feel like they just don't fit in anywhere. What do I mean by that? That, that sometimes we feel like we're too much of the world to be in the church. And yet at the same time, sometimes we feel like we're too much of the church to be in the world. And so we end up pacing back and forth and trying to figure out where we fit. In other words, what am I saying? You believe, but you have some doubts. You have some worry, and your faith is under fire. Your faith is in a crisis. Your faith is under fire. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord, for their presence in this place. Luke 22. You know, I'm probably not even going to get through everything I want to do today. In Luke 22, Jesus said, Luke 22, 31 to 34, for those of you that take notes. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, Watch this, but Jesus says, but I have prayed for thee that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Notice he said, he said, I didn't pray that you wouldn't fail, but that your faith would not fail you. There's a difference. Jesus never prayed that you and I would not fail. He prayed that your faith would not fail. Look at this. Because Jesus prayed for him, his faith passed the test. But we're not so sure about Brother Thomas. Because he quit coming to church. How could Thomas not be in the upper room when he was the one that said, I must go and die with him? How could he not be up there? 
He just doesn't know where he belongs. I want to just take a moment and tell some of you that for everybody in this place who just doesn't feel like you quite fit in anywhere, this message is for you. If you feel like you don't quite fit in at work, it's for you. If you feel like you don't always fit in at church, this message is for you. If you feel like that sometimes you're not always a person of faith like you need to be, this message is for you. Because what the truth of the matter is, is you and I are a mixture of so many things that sometimes it just gets complicated to even understand who we are. Jesus. Jesus prayed for Peter that he does not lose his ability to believe. He said, I pray that your faith fail you not. The reason I wanted to point that scripture out is because some of you have been in a crisis so bad that your faith has taken a toll because your faith is under fire. But Jesus told Peter, he said, Satan has desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. That's why I was proven to you earlier that Satan isn't after your money. He's not after your marriage and he's not trying to take your car. Satan is after your faith. Because there's something about trauma that eats at your faith. And I know that I'm preaching to some people that who have been through some trauma. I'm preaching to some people, maybe the trauma you created, but you have been in some trauma. And that trauma that you have been in, it, it, has, it has sifted you so badly that it has made you start wondering. It has made you question, I don't even know if they love me. I don't even know if he loves me. I, it, it has made you question all sorts of things, thinking that maybe God doesn't even care. But Jesus said he, to Peter, he said, I pray for you that your faith fail you not. And when... Jesus said this. He said, and when, he didn't say if, he said, and when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. In other words, you and I cannot be a strength and a help and a hope to someone else unless we're good. And oftentimes we're trying to help somebody else, but here we are in our own unbelief. You are no good to nobody else if you, your first, you yourself aren't first strengthened and in faith. That's why Jesus said, I pray your faith fail you not. Jesus said, don't make the mistake of trying to be a church member and be a church attendee and do it without faith. Because then you're powerless. Then you're weak. Real quickly, back to the text. Thomas was not in the room when we first initially start reading the text. Then finally, as we read through the text that we read today, it reveals that Thomas was just below. And when Thomas finally makes his way up the stairs, this is what I love about this text. Because it shows the two sides of Thomas. This text reveals how Thomas is the one who didn't feel like he fit in anywhere. He didn't even know if he should be with the other disciples, but yet he didn't, he didn't know if he even wanted to be a part of the church, but there was still enough within him. 
that even though he wasn't sure if he should believe, he made his way up the steps to walk back into the church that he wasn't even sure he should be a part of. And that's just like you and I, how we can come to church. And sometimes we feel like we don't even know if we fit in or if God's going to even show up for me today. But there's still just enough faith that it'll make you get in your car and drive over here to the church house and park and walk up the front steps of this place. And just believe that there might be something. Remember Thomas said, I I don't believe it until I see. And I put my hand in where they pierced the side. Thomas, the guy who said, I... So as he walks into the room where Jesus just was, the disciples tell him, hey, you missed it, man. Jesus was just here. Thomas says, I don't believe it. I saw them pierce his side and I... I saw them drive the nails in his hands. I felt the cold, lifeless body. I don't believe it. He said, I I don't believe it unless I shove my finger into the wound of where he was, of where the nails went through. And I don't believe it unless I stick my fist into the wound in his side. what the Bible says happens next is as soon as Thomas opens his mouth and basically announces what it would require for him to believe Jesus walks back in the room I said as soon as he announced what it took For him to believe again, Jesus walked back in the room and he said, Thomas, Thomas, right here. Right here's where the nails went. Oh, look over here. Here's where they pierced my side. What I love about this is Jesus didn't show up for just the 10 disciples. Jesus showed up and he had a little fish with him and he left. But the moment that Thomas showed up and said, I can't believe I missed it. And this is what it takes for me to believe again. It lets me know that Jesus will show up and he will come in the room for just one. We see that consistent throughout scripture and how we need to be concerned, not just about the 99, but the one. Trust me when I tell you there's more to this text that I would love to get to, but I... I can't even do it because I know. And the reason you say, what's wrong with the preacher? Because I know what it is to be the one. I know what it is when you show up to church and you've got nothing left. You're running on empty yourself and then he walks in the room for you. I know what it is when all hell is coming against you and every part of your life is falling apart and you're watching everybody else get blessed and you're like, God, I, I don't understand. God, where are you? And then all of a sudden he shows up for you. I think we're going to stop right here and give an altar call because I really believe there might be more than just one of you, but I really believe that this message today is for somebody who says, I'm not one. I'm not one. I've been struggling to believe 
I'm struggling to believe all of the Word of God. I'm struggling in my faith. I, I, I can't even be on fire like I used to be. I, I can't even believe that my life's going to be any different because it's been this way for so long. But the Bible says that after Jesus showed up, after Jesus showed up for Thomas, he fell on his knees and said, my God, my Lord. And he believed. I want you to know right now that the God loves you so much. And the reason that Jesus came back for Thomas is because he loved him. That God is not interested in our big fancy services. God isn't interested in how great we can dress or how much we understand, but God loves you and I so much that even when we are low on faith, you can say, I'm that one. I'm that one. So around this room, if, if you're able to, can you stand to your feet? Maybe you're in this room and we're going to make it real simple and real quick. Maybe you're one of those today. You say, yeah, my faith is under fire. I don't care what is under fire. I don't care in how many ways, but you say my faith is under fire. But maybe today you can understand and you say, yeah, I'm that one. I want to let you know that Jesus is in the room for the one. That's why I told you earlier, before we ever moved into the message, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, Jesus is in the room because he came in the room for you. You've grown so accustomed to things being the way that they are and you've been operating in unbelief. But I'm here to tell you that he is in the room right now in this place. And so if you say, yeah, I'm that one. My faith is under fire. And I'm the one that needs Jesus to show up just for me. If that's you, come join me at this altar. Let's pray. If that's you, if your faith has been under fire, without hesitation, without hesitation, don't, don't make us be one of those churches that has to turn out the lights to get you to move. I don't care whether you stand or whether you kneel or whether you lay on your face. It really doesn't make any difference. I, I just believe we need to be symbolic and you need to show up and you need to be willing to tell Jesus, yeah, I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm the one. Lord, this is what it's going to take for me to believe again. See, I, I, I'm one of those that I believe that sometimes we just have to be that honest with God. And we say, God, my faith has been under fire. God, this is what it's going to take for me to fully believe. This is what it's going to take. My faith is under fire. I don't have any power because I don't have any faith. I don't have any peace because I don't have any faith. I don't have any joy because I don't have any faith. I can't sleep at night because I don't have any faith. My faith is under fire. My God, my God, my God. See, I knew I couldn't be the only one. See, even as a preacher, my faith can get under fire. 
If you're still standing in your pews or in your rows, if you have a hand and you can stretch it forward, stretch it forward and begin praying. I sense the presence and the glory of God. Come on, pray. Pray, people at home, begin to pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm the one, Lord. I'm the one, Lord, my faith. Jesus said to Peter, I pray your faith fail you not. Not that you will not fail. Some of us that are standing in the front of this place, we have failed. But, God, but Jesus prayed that our faith would fail us not. Satan has desired to sift you. But I pray today that your faith would fail you not. Hallelujah. Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus. We sense your presence and we sense your anointing in this room. And God, I knew that this message would resonate with somebody. And God, today we stand in the front of this place and we say, Lord, I'm the one. I'm the one that I need you to come into the room for. I'm the one that I need you to come back into the Fresh Fire Church for today. I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm the one that I've been struggling to have peace and I've been struggling to have victory. And I'm the one that can't sleep at night. I'm the one that can't have any joy. I'm I'm the one that I feel like I'm not overcoming. I'm the one. I'm the one that I'm not really sure where I fit in. I'm not sure if I even belong anymore. Lord, I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm the one that'll come back into the room. Jesus, come back into the room. For everyone that's standing in this place right now. And I pray like Jesus, you prayed. I pray your faith would not fail you. Not that you would not fail, but that your faith would not fail you. I pray today that every person under the sound of my voice would move from being skeptical and unsure and uncertain to being men and women of faith. I pray that their faith would not fail them. I pray that, Father, that victory would swell up within them again. I, I, I pray that purpose would swell up within them again. I, I pray today that, God, that, 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 that peace would swell up within them again. God, I pray today that joy would begin to fill their, 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 the very being of who they are in the name of Jesus. I pray that, God, everything that has been working against them, Lord, we begin to work for them as your word declares all things work together for, for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to their purpose. So, Father, I pray that you would give us a brand new mindset, a brand new outlook on it in the name of Jesus. Father, you would help us to look at things differently. That, Lord, you would renew our faith. That, Lord, you would strengthen us in the name of Jesus. That, Lord, we would know that, Lord, Lord, you love this enough to preach a message directly to where we are right now. 
that, Lord, you would be able to prove to your people today that you love us enough and that you're proving your love by coming back in the room for just us today. Now, strengthen your people and help us, Lord, to be aware that Satan desires to sift us like wheat, toss us about. Father, let faith remain because it is the currency of heaven to complete the transaction. So, Father, everything that these people are praying and believing you for, I pray, and Lord, we receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, if we need a breakthrough, Lord, if we need a financial outpouring, Lord, we, if we need a, a, a change in our spouse, Lord, if we need clarity in a, in a big decision, Lord, I pray in every way that, Lord, these people need, Lord, heaven to be released into this earth. I pray, God, that it be released over them right now. You showed up in this room for a purpose. You showed up in this room for a difference, for, to, to make a difference. So, Father, I pray right now that you would release healing. Lord, you would release miracles. Lord, you would, you would release and do the unthinkable. Lord, you would do the unimaginable. That, Lord, every person that needs a financial breakthrough, that, Lord, you would release it in the name of Jesus. Jesus. God, every person who needs a breakthrough in their emotions. God, every person who needs a breakthrough in every capacity of their life. That Lord, it's been wearing on their faith. God, I thank you that their faith will not fail them. And then Holy Spirit, you will breathe right now upon them in the name of Jesus. Fall upon them. Strengthen them and empower them in the name of Jesus. And God, we give you the glory. I give you the honor, and Lord, I give you the praise. Lord, I just take a moment right now just to thank you. I thank you, the Lord, you, you knew us enough to speak to our hearts. I thank you, the Lord, today you spoke to our lives to bring about change. I thank you, the Lord, you spoke a word to rescue me, God, from walking away from, Lord, what you've called me to be a part of. I thank you, Lord, that you spoke a word to let me know you love me enough to walk into the room. So, God, we give you the glory. Lord, we give you praise. God, I thank you, Lord, for building and strengthening and helping somebody's faith today in this place. God, we bless bless you and we thank you. I honor you, Lord, and I adore you today. Great and mighty God that you are. We just give you thanks and praise for this and all things today. For the great God that you are. We love you and we praise you in the powerful, in the great, in the wonderful, holy name of Jesus Christ. We do pray today. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now before you leave and you go back to your seats and you start finding a way, make sure you give somebody a hug that's up here that you were praying with. And, and, and hallelujah, encourage one another. Amen. They're the one right along with you. God bless you. Have a beautiful week in Jesus today. Hallelujah.